you have a job, everyone has a job. Whether it makes you money or not, and whether you consider it a career path or not, everyone works. How often do you look back on your journey to see where you got where you are? And how often have you asked why that you're even doing this to get here? Today on Behind Every Story, we are going to discuss just that. How did you get into your career and why did you choose it? Let's get started. What's up, everyone? My name is Jason, and this is Behind Every Story. If this is your first time with us, let me explain what's happening. I love stories from comic books to films, songs to jokes, sitting around a campfire with a single person, or even sitting in an audience being enveloped by a storyteller on stage. I love hearing people's stories. And even more so, I love learning what's behind that story. So this show is the proverbial director's commentary on the movie of life. This week, we're discussing how and why you got into the career you did. When I was young, uh, my parents worked a lot. They often worked very long hours, and I was often left home alone at a very young age. But um, <laughs> as, as horrible as it sounds, I... I watched a lot of TV. I watched a lot of movies. I was fortunate enough to have cable growing up, so we had HBO and Showtime, and and I was able to watch a lot of movies, um, especially on Up All Night <laughs> on the USA channel. Um, but I was raised by movies, and it got to a point where I realized that I really loved film, but I always assumed everyone loved film. So like anything that I enjoy... I wanted to try to make myself. So I ended up making really cheesy short horror films with my friends and my cousin. And we made terrible things that it's very hard to look back on and wonder why I wasted the time doing it. But it was a lot of fun doing it. Eventually, when I went to college, I went to college for illustration. And although I did not take that path seriously, I ended up taking a film critique class and refound my love of filmmaking. And it was at this part in my life that this was the first time in my life that I was taking academics seriously. All the way through high school, I coasted by the classes. I never took anything seriously. It was always about the sports and hanging out with friends. And academics was the furthest thing from my mind. But when I got into film in my university, everything kind of clicked into place as this is what I was supposed to do. So as I've grown through school, I went on to work on films and music videos and documentaries and yada, yada. And I had eventually just kind of decided to start my own business because I was tired of trying to find work, which is an oxymoron because that's exactly what you do as your own business, even more so. But I found what I was doing through trial and error and just pure passion and love. And I think when you find something that you're meant to be doing or meant to be with, like that certain someone, um, your significant other, your wife, your husband, uh, anything like that. Like when you walk into a house for the first time and you're like, this is our house. It's those moments in our life that make us realize that this is who we are meant to be. Today on Behind Every Story, we are discussing how and why 
you got into your career. Finding out how things work is really fun, but it's the finding out the why behind the things that truly makes things that much more amazing and illuminating. When we come back after a quick break, we're going to be joined by my very good friend, my lifelong friend, whose journey to his career is nothing short of awe-inspiring. I sat down with my friend, and we had a very good conversation, which I recorded the grand majority of, and we really didn't do a formal introduction. So we started talking, and I'm just going to drop you right into the middle of our conversation. This week, we are joined by my very good friend and my best man at my own wedding, John Savast. Let's hear all about his journey as he becomes an architect. Are we recording? Yeah. Good. Well, something that you were saying before I thought you were recording is you said, this is my friend John who's trying to be an architect. Mm. And that reminds me of a story. I was on a date with a girl at a comedy club out in... Uh, out in St. Chuck's. And uh, I remember like the guy was working the crowd, seeing how everybody was doing. And he saw me, like a, a big guy with this little girl that I was on a date with. And he said, like, who's this bruiser? What's he do? And I answered him, uh, you know, I'm trying to be an architect. You know, what a lob to give to a comedian. <laughs> and he says, trying to be an architect. Remind me not to be in any building that you're making. Aww. But that's kind of how... That's kind of how the whole architect thing started. It was when I was really little, I, um, my, we didn't have much money. Um, money was always tight. Um, and there was a lot of times when my mom would tell me bedtime stories. Uh, but my bedtime stories involved my mom telling me all the home additions that she would do. She, I remember her saying that she would, she'd make that third bedroom in the back. She'd drop the, She'd open the wall up and she'd have a deck to be on the side of the house. And she said, like, maybe she'd have a pool that went down to there, but this deck patio and how she'd want to have an entryway through the through the living room and it would go through the closet. And she had it all worked out. And I remember asking her, you know, I want to make that for you. I'm like, what do I do? And she says, well, Johnny, you become an architect. And that's kind of where the journey started. And, like, for the longest time, I wanted to, I wanted to do that for a really long time. I ended up doing art and everything really enjoyed doing all those things but I kind of I let it go away on me in high school um and then I remember it was right towards the end of high school and I remember talking to one of my football coaches actually mm. a few of my football coaches and I told them you know I want to be an architect you know what are you going to do now that you're not going to be a dumb meathead on the football field right. anymore and uh, I told them you know I'm going to be an architect and they all laugh I remember them laughing at me and I remember them saying, like, I would never go in the building you ever designed. That's stupid. And they, like, put me down. And I remember thinking, like, I looked up to these guys at that point for, like, five or six years because yeah. I had them for uh, junior high. I'm 38 years old now. And it bothers me a little bit. But I remember thinking, um, like, you know what? Maybe I am stupid. I can't do this. And then when I, I, when I went to college at NIU, I ended up going to school as a physical therapy major. Because you know, I just figured, you know, I guess I'm too dumb. Not that there's anything wrong with physical therapists. I mean, that's a real difficult thing to get in as well. But I just believed them. And then uh, I screwed up college because I, I majored in um, Golden Eye and uh, football <laughs> games, video game football games. 
Oh my god. Go go to school, kids. That's like if you're paying for college, actually go to college. <laughs> um and I came home. Uh you know, I, I ended up being put on probation. And I came home to the couch being thrown on the lawn the second time that summer. And I remember saying, I'm done with this. I'm joining the military. And I joined the military, went through all the military training. And I remember it was October 25th, 2000, which is actually my wife's birthday. Is it really? It really is. Um, not her actual birthday. She's well, older than I was going to say. She's not 19. Yeah. Almost 19. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> I remember saying, I'm going to be an architect, you know, and I bought my first architecture book was um the uh what is it the idiot's guide for architecture okay what, like the, the black and white books what re-sparked that what ignited that flame again um so i noticed that when you like when you i first saw this when i was in the military i remember when they gave us briefings when you graduate basic and you go into tech school hmm. they say um you know, we all think that you're, or you all think that you're really old and, you know, you have responsibilities and you've achieved these great things. Don't get married. They say that. They say that. They tell you, don't get married. You know, we feel like you think you're an adult. I understand you can take a bullet for your country. You're not an adult yet. Don't get married. And I remember that always like kind of banged around in my head for a really long time. Mm. People, people think that, uh, you know, after I've done all these things that like, I- I've earned this, like, you know, it's like how people can get cockier after they get a degree or, yeah, or very like, much so. Or when people get a job all of a sudden, like, well, now I'm the most smartest person on that subject. No, brush not. that dust off my shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Or, the, you know, girls that have babies. I, I don't know. I have actually spoken to women. They'd be like, well, how do you know this? Well, I'm a mother. Well, yeah. it doesn't count. That's, that's not really, that's cool <laughs> that you did a thing that, you know, you know what? It, it would be impressive if you saved your baby from like from saber tooth tigers back in the day mm-hmm. but like i'm not that impressed right now modern medicine's cool you got a lob don't give it to me but anyway so i got i ended up uh i ended up uh i, I went back to it because for that thing that i just made fun of the whole time i just like i felt like i'm i can do this i can do a lot of things i just got through all this other stuff by myself i yeah. can do it you know, but unfortunately, <laughs> October twenty fifth to two thousand is the beginning of my enlistment, and I didn't, I didn't get out until two thousand four. I got out in two thousand four, like head full of steam, joining mm-hmm, with the College of mm-hmm. DuPage. Um, wonderful school. Jane Ostergaard and Mark Pearson are the people that are running that school right now. They are some of the most amazing educators out there. So if anybody's out there thinking about being an architect, go to College of DuPage. It is wonderful. It's a it's an undergr- undergraduate college or a junior college, and it's a it's a community school, right? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. But yeah, you've toted this for yeah. for decades. So now. I mean, the coolest thing about like junior colleges is you get all like this great, you get these great um, people that are like working on their PhDs and mm-hmm, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. People are on the forefront of their education, and they need a job, and they usually teach at these junior colleges. It's like one of the greatest. It's up there with national parks. It's like one of the greatest things that the U.S. has. And I know a lot of people are trying to say that, like, it's the new, it's probably going to be the newer way that people pay for an education to get your, your junior college first and then you transfer over. Oh, I, I still think that's one of the smartest things to do. And absolutely, while I love my education, I wish I would have saved the 40 grand. And you get a great education out and of it. You get a good education. And you're definitely, you're going to, you're going to get what you put into it. You know, if you go into it, calling it the college of dreams and stuff like that, you know what? Correct. You're going to, you're, you're going to get crap if you put in crap. Right. But uh, 
I started, I got accepted into the uh, University of Illinois for the Versailles program. I was supposed to go to school in Europe. Um, and I ran out of money. <laughs> Just like the uh, veteran, the Illinois veteran grant and all that stuff. They pay for things, but like I needed 5,000 cash as like a down payment for the thing. And I didn't have it. And I couldn't, uh, I couldn't go. So I ended up having to like, I moved to car champagne anyway. And, um, lived there for a year. And then like, that was the beginning of a, like a lot of weird jobs to kind of get to where I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. I ended up, um, working. I was working at Menards. I worked at home Depot. I worked selling in like nuts and bolts at a place, uh, fasteners, et cetera. What's the name of the place? Fasteners, et cetera. Fasteners, et cetera. It was a great, great place. Great people that were working there. Um, I ended up getting an opportunity to go back up north to get a job at an architecture firm. Mm -hmm. And that was in August of 2008. And that was in Chicago? And that was in Chicago. Well, it first started in Naperville, then it was in Chicago. And then, um, yeah, the economy crashed a little bit there in 2008. Um, that job lasted two years. I was, I was making $10 an hour. Living in West Chicago... In working in the city, by the yeah. time like my bills were paid and I paid for my transportation and everything, I had just enough to be negative in my account. It was horrible. It was so bad. I lived literally off of nothing for like two years, and then the economy tanked. And ended up working. And then a, the economy tanked. And then the economy. Well, no, the economy was slowly tanking. Yeah. The other reason they kept me on, I learned a lot of stuff while there. But um. You know, that's because they're paying me $10 an hour. Yeah. $10. Like, that blows my mind. I literally was like, I was practically paying them to go to work. Like, they almost paid enough for me to work there. Like, to just almost break it. Just to show up. Just to show up. Yeah. Um, I mean, I learned a lot of stuff there. Uh, and I ended up, I ended up uh, having to work. When that, when that all ended, yeah. then I had to get a job at... Uh, being a bicycle mechanic and I did that for a little while that was in Naperville that was in Naperville again as a bicycle mechanic and then um I remember kind of I turned 30 I turned 30 years old and I remember thinking like I got nothing to show for any of this the job that I wanted ended up like crashing down on me and like architects are the canaries in the cage when it comes to the economy because we're a luxury item for a lot of things like you can't build right in a lot of situations you can't build unless you have the architect that does the plans or like an architect stamp of some sort in a lot of places not in all places but like people aren't going to be building new buildings when they, when it tanks as bad as it mm -hmm. did so there's a massive hole in the architectural community right now where like people were retiring and um lost their jobs and there's a lot of people that ended up being missing out of the whole career field but then, you know, I ended up getting accepted into Southern Illinois University, um, ended up doing great there, uh, ended up getting uh, an ALA, uh, ALA was the Associations of Licensed Architects uh, Student Merit Award winner, which I got uh, in 2013. I was one of the best architecture students in the in the country. That's super impressive. And then um, ended up doing, got accepted into grad school there, ended up doing grad school, taught um urban design mm -hmm. while, while I was there to pay for, uh, pay for grad school. Um, and then I ended up like biting off more than I could chew for a thesis. Let, let's tell uncle John, <laughs> let's have uncle John tell you guys 
do a thesis that you're capable of doing. Now, the reason that I ended up doing it was, um, I don't know, maybe your head gets big. Maybe maybe I got this thing called the, the ALA Student Merit Award, and I thought it was smarter than I actually was. This is probably what happened. But I ended up like grabbing way more than I could chew. And I know my professors, they wanted to set me up for a PhD, because that's what I wanted to do. Right. I so they this. wanted me to do something that was a little bit more difficult. When you do it, you have to... Like for a PhD, mm-hmm. you have to work for long enough to be smart enough to ask the question. Mm. And for two years, I mean, it's, doesn't this sound ridiculous? Yeah. I read books and did things just to study to ask a question. I, when I was in grad school, they, I was very interested in going, I, I don't want to cut you off, but I was very interested in doing my, my, my PhD. And a teacher pulled me aside and said, I, I think you should, but are you prepared to have zero income for at least five years while you are writing paper upon paper and then throwing them away and then rewriting them and yeah. throwing them away. Yeah. So that kind of was a dawning realization. Oh, and I lived that hermit life. And, and that was just for a master's degree. Like right, I, right. I got like a, I went to like the junior college of, of PhD stuff doing that. I ended up, I got all the classwork done and it was just working on the, the thesis stuff. And mm. I just, I remember my dad wasn't doing very well health wise and I ended up leaving Carbondale to go help them at home. Um, and then like my father got like his, um, he ended up getting his, um, his medical stuff done. He mm-hmm. ended up having like, really bad knees. I had to like take care of the house and right. they, they weren't able to do anything. Cause you were taking care of your mom. Mm, she was okay. They had like just moved and, um, yeah, just health wise, like they really started to tank a little bit there, but, um, and then I had some friends move to Colorado. I always wanted to live in Colorado and I had some friends call me and say, if you had the money to move to Colorado, would you do it? And I said, yes, but I don't have the money. And they said, well, good. We already put the money in your account. You have no choice now. So I ended up picking all my stuff and moving to Colorado and living in uh, like an extra room of their house. And I mean, I had a great, I love Colorado. Their kids are amazing. I would, I remember drawing, I would try and draw at least one night a week with them. I still have a book of their drawings. That's cool. Yeah. When they turn 18, I think like we would all just sit down at the kitchen table and draw. It was really fun. Um, and I'm going from there to like another basement. I mean, I am just like living the life of like, a like a hermit loser. I mean, it's, but, um, I ended up, uh, finally getting my feet, my thesis finished in, um, in May of 2018. So before we go on too far, what is your thesis? Oh, this is, we don't have enough time for this. <laughs> um, so my thesis is, I think that oh, shoot. I mean, I can't believe I did this for so long. Welcome to the interstitium. I think was the what I actually titled my my thesis. Um, Not pretentious at all. I know, right? Welcome to the interstitium. Uh, it's a it's a guide on uh, social media and architecture, mm-hmm. and pretty much how how architecture can be or how how architecture can be used as social media with augmented reality, mixed reality, virtual reality. Um, Oh, I can't go on this. I mean, this could be a whole nother topic just talking about the, the digital interstitium. Um, but that's... Let me take that note real quick so we'll come back and do another episode. 
<laughs> so you did your thesis. You finished your thesis in 2018? 2018. What what happened then? Um, I got a part-time job while looking for a job um, at a at a, a local hardware company and the grip on the dolly came off in my hand and a fridge came down to my right forearm and it tore my bicep off. I mean, this was like right at the end. I remember, I remember in like 2013, right when I was starting my thesis, I, I drew a picture of a guy crying after he had thrown a harpoon at a whale. Like he landed a whale and crying. Cause I remember thinking like, like, what does Ahab do when he's finally done? I mean, that's like, it was terrifying to me. It was absolutely terrifying. I may, and I do think I drug my feet on my thesis because, um, I didn't want, I didn't want it over. Like I, and, and the reason for it is I, I was in the military and, um, things had to happen. Like I was in the military and what you do in the military is you, you know, People don't join the military to like hand out soccer balls. Like the, the production of the military is death and destruction. That is what they do. And I, you know, I thought that I owed it to the people, uh, that took the brunt of my deeds in the military that essentially their lives were paid for with my education. So like, it was really serious for me to, I don't know, do a good job. Or like that, like it was almost like my penance. I mean, it was, or like a walk of shame. Like I lived from pace, but like it was horrible. Not like my friends weren't horrible. Like I literally was propped up by like really awesome people. But like, just I like refused to take flight because it was kind of like it was hard letting go of that. It's like, you know, when do you say, well, I got my education. Um, sorry. Like I, I like, what do you say? I, I don't know. Um, but you know, it ended up happening, but, um, yeah, right. When it's all done, everything was said and done. Ahab killed the whale. I mean, you know, from somebody who promised his mother that he, he was going to be an architect when he was a little kid and I was right at the, right at the finishing line and my, and my bicep got torn off. I couldn't use my hand. I couldn't use my arm. Like everything was screwed up. I just finished physical therapy on it just a few months ago. Did you really? I did. Um, it's not, it's nowhere near where it was anymore. Uh, I think it's like, there's wrist problems and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, the funny thing is, is out of all that, I ended up getting a job because my wife and I couldn't afford, we couldn't afford the rent on our place. We lived in Elgin tower. It's a wonderful place. Uh, the people that own the place aren't that wonderful, but the place is wonderful. And we ended up putting a thing up on Facebook saying, like, if anybody wants to take over for rent for us, like, we could use it because we're in trouble. And one of the guys I worked with at that firm way back when, mm. um, who ended up being, I could see their building from my street, but they weren't hiring. Uh, he saw that post on Facebook, passed it to another guy that I worked with, who is now the director of the architecture firm I worked for, and it got me the job. So, I mean, it's everything I landed in the place. But it's just like a long... So, at the beginning, you said, like, how do I introduce you? Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call myself an architect. Like, I'm just a guy that's been trying for a really long time. And that's really all that I am. I don't identify as an architect at all. I don't know if I ever will. 
I'm just like somebody who's trying really hard, like who just really wanted to do something. And, you know, if you really want to do it, don't listen to anybody what they're saying. I mean, God, like, I don't know what really what this podcast is or like kind of what it is. But like, if you have a teacher that says you can't do it or, you know, or if you don't think you can do anything, I mean, just, I don't know, just try. I mean, really like perseverance is, I mean, you can do it. If you really want to like do it, you know, not to say that like being an architect is a great, amazing thing, but I mean, it was the me. More often than not throughout our lives, we find that when we're kicked down, it's the strength to get back up that proves who we really are. And it makes me feel a little more connected to the world when I hear these stories and I can identify with that strength and that need and that desire and that that passion. And stories are just like this. They connect us to the world, even through the smallest of moments and with the most random of people. So always be on the lookout or the listen out to hear these amazing stories in your own life, because sometimes those stories can really come out of nowhere. Do you have a story about how you got to be where you're at right now in your career? Email us at behindeverystory at gmail.com. We would love to hear it. Great stories can be universal or sometimes they can be extremely close to home. Great storytellers can make the world a smaller place and a more intimate place. Thank you to all the storytellers out there, big and small. And thank you for joining us here on Behind Every Story. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing on your favorite podcast streaming app or sharing our podcast to your friends and family or, like I always say, just random people because it's more fun. We love to connect with others and hear what you have to say. And you can always find us on BehindEveryStory.com. Thank you so much for our guest this week, John Savast, as he journeys on his lifelong journey to become an architect. I'm your storyteller, Jason Osterkamp, and it's been a pleasure sitting around the campfire with you. Join us again next time on Behind Every Story. Oh, 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 oh